Hello, welcome to the Ivory Antenna. So this is the actual introduction to our show. So please stay tuned. In a few minutes, we'll have Joey Coleman, blogger, journalist for McLean's. Later on, we'll have Renaud Philippe Garnin. So stay tuned. And Denis Rancourt will be back next week to host the 5 o'clock train. Welcome to this episode of the Ivory Antenna. Special episode because we have two special guests today. Joey Coleman from McLean's will be joining us in a couple of seconds. And Renaud Philippe Garnat will be joining us later on in the episode. So with me right now over the telephone is Joey Coleman from McLean's.ca. Um, Joey, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for being here with us today. So, Joey Coleman, um, for our listeners, first for our listeners who do not know Joey Coleman, he's a blogger and journalist for McLean's.ca, and he covers their new education section on campus. He holds the most popular blog on education in Canada, and he is known as a controversial figure, uh, to say the least, in uh, Canadian newspapers across and universities and especially with student unions across the country. So, Joey Coleman, thank you for joining us. Uh, my first question to you today is, um, how did you start off into journalism and to end up on McLean's? Uh, you know, to be honest, it was almost by mistake, um, in the sense that when I was at University of Manitoba, um, what happened in January 2005 was I switched colleges to switch residences. And in this residence one night, it was decided that the student council representative, he was unable to go to council meetings anymore. So the council, so the student college council had to elect a new representative to be a proxy to the student union for the remainder of the school year. I was at the meeting, has it's a small college, everybody's there, everybody has a vote. And somebody put my name forward. I said, yes, I'd be interested to do it. And three hours later, I was at my first student union meeting. Um, what ended up happening was I had my own personal blog on joeycoleman.ca, and it was more of a journal, you know, here I am in Winnipeg, I have friends in Hamilton, here's what I'm doing. 
and I decided I was going to be as transparent as possible and communicate with it. I did not realize at the time, because as a first-year student, this whole CAS and CFS thing, um, I just went to council and yet CAS and CFS come do their presentation. I asked questions, had no idea the big picture, and wrote what I thought. Um, and it ended up that people across the country started reading this. Um, and then when I transferred to McMaster, I continued to write about student politics and got better and better at it. Eventually started writing for a few student newspapers, primarily the Silhouette at McMaster, and received a call from McLean's Magazine asking me if I wanted to come on board there. Interesting path. Um, if we're going to get into CASA and CFS later on in the show, but I'd first like to talk about just that, going from a student paper to McLean's. I know in Quebec there was a big debate recently, uh, L'Actualité, which is the French equivalent of McLean's, was trying to do uh, on-campus equivalent to their French website. Um, a lot of French newspapers took offense to that because they felt that that was, in a way, doing the job that student newspapers are doing. Um, a lot of people felt hostile that their work was going to end up on that website. But we didn't have that debate in English Canada. I was wondering about what your thoughts were and about that whole debate of Maclean's versus, let's say, a student newspaper. I, I would think that um, Quebec and the Canada-wide story would be very different because Quebec, you have a very strong concentration of universities in a relatively small geographical area. Um, whereas Canada, we have universities straight coast to coast, uh, extreme diversity. So I think that there's a difference as well is that I have a lot more to cover. Um, if you're covering Quebec campuses, um, it's very different. Not only that, Quebec student newspapers are doing an amazing job as well. So there would be a lot of overlap, and the level of journalism that I've seen in the Quebec student newspapers is excellent. Um, and I would say that also there is really, I don't see myself competing with student newspapers. I'm reaching a different audience. I'm covering different stories. And I actually see myself working a lot with student newspapers. Um, in the greater Toronto area, because I go to a lot of things that are going on and take pictures, a lot of my photographs I will give to student newspapers no charge, and they'll run. Um, also, a lot of student journalists, because they're newer at journalism, and because they're with student newspapers, they're having a harder time getting into some functions. I'm able to assist them in getting into those functions and assist them in being able to get to their story. So I think that um, the difference here is that there's a very strong relationship with the student press and McLean's on campus. Is there a risk that eventually McLean's on campus will be the only source of information across Canada for university campuses? No, there's not a chance of that. There's just so many stories. There's so many campuses. Uh, we've got over 50 universities in the country, uh, hundreds of student unions, student associations, college councils, student clubs. There's such a wealth of information, so many stories that go on told as it is right now that it's impossible for there to ever be one source. Um, one only needs to look, um, and again, I'm in Toronto right now, at today's Toronto Star, where there's a story about Ryerson University filing academic charges against a student who started a Facebook group, which students ended up using to trade answers on an online <laughs> quiz. That story was first reported in the eye-opener, the student newspaper at Ryerson and then picked up by the mainstream media. 
the, the reality is, is that student newspapers are always going to beat us to the stories on their campuses, and that's never going to change. Student newspapers have a place, and they're not threatened by the mainstream media. Interesting. You blog um, at a pretty high rate, like pretty frequently, I would say, at least a dozen times a week, if not per day sometimes. Um, most of your entries are pretty informative. You put a lot of links to different campuses. I would say your most controversial entries are probably the ones regarding CFS, or at least those are the ones that generate the biggest reactions. I was wondering why you thought that is and why you, for instance, blog so often on CFS. Uh, well, I'll first answer the second question. The reason why the Canadian Federation of Students is a common topic on my blog is the fact that they are the largest student organization in the country. They do a lot of things, and they're very actively involved in a lot of things that occur on campuses. Um, so they, so it's just the reality of they're the big ones. Um, if another student organization was as big as them or the largest one, I'd be talking about them. In terms of the controversy, um, you know, it's funny because when I first uh, talked about the Canadian Federation of Students outside the context of UMSU uh, Council, it was when they had bought the bilingual domain name for CASA. And, I mean, I was just a student blogger sitting in Hamilton, Ontario, and somebody sent this to me. I said, oh, that's interesting. I'm a nerd. Right. I love anything computer-related. Right. So I wrote about it, and all of a sudden, I start getting these angry phone calls and angry letters. I'm like, wow, what's going on here? Um, so I, I think that it's a matter of there are so many people that have a lot invested in the Canadian Federation of Students that something that's critical about the Canadian Federation of Students will provoke a reaction from them. If somebody went out and criticized McLean's on campus or my blog, which I have a heavy investment in as well, I'm going to respond and take notice. So I think that it's just the factor of it's big, a lot of people are involved in it, and a lot of people have a lot at stake with it. Do you think there's... Um, I, I mean, people often accuse you of being anti-CFS. Um, and I'm curious because we don't get that for any other tag. I mean, you post on a lot of issues. Just recently, you posted on Israeli Apartheid Week, for example, at McMaster. But no one's going to claim, oh, Joey Coleman is anti-Israel or pro-Israel. Whereas, uh, actually, or, or maybe, maybe you can correct me, but definitely actually, not as publicly. Not as publicly, but I got a lot of fan mail. That's what I like to call it <laughs> on that topic. Um, and I actually received an email at. Six, six minutes after midnight last night, which basically accused me of taking the Palestinian side on that issue. Okay. And, of course, I was getting emails saying that I was taking the Israeli side on the issue. Um, so, I mean, it's just not as public. Again, it's, CFS is much bigger. There's much more students involved in it. There's much more people who are professionals who their livelihood relies upon it. So it's, 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 the stakes are higher, and there's much more interest. Um, the, the whole Israeli apartheid debate at McMaster, uh, actually, I would say that I've got more emails on that single post than any other issue that I've covered. Wow. Um, interesting. So if, okay, so let's stick on the blog. Um, your blog is probably the most popular, or at least from 
Ottawa. It's definitely the most popular aspect of the Maclean's on-campus website. Um, it's definitely the most consulted at La Rotonde, the French paper here, and probably, I would say, at the Falkram as well. So my question to you is, what do you think the blogging, or how does blogging come into play with student papers today? Well, I, I believe that blogs enable information to get out quickly. And the one thing that I really like with my blog is that I'm able to say how I feel about things. I'm able to be very clear, here's where I stand. And I actually think it helps my journalism a lot because I often have a feeling when I read articles that the journalist is trying to hide their opinion because they have it and they want it to get through in the article, but they don't want people to see it. And whereas if I have an opinion, I'm able to put it on the blog, keep it there, and when I write my news articles, I'm able to make sure that that bias doesn't come through. Um, and it's, just, it's a natural thing. A lot of people get into journalism because they want to make the world better. They want to shine lights on things that need to be fixed. Um, I think that really helps. And not only that, students, when they have a student newspaper, they're paying the student newspaper to deliver a service for them. Uh, most of the time when a student newspaper was forming, given its fee, the idea was, was that it would hold people to account. It would shine light on the things that are important to students. Having a blog enables you to do that and to fulfill that purpose, and then your newspaper becomes more focused upon well-thought-out, reviewed articles. Um, for example, McLean's is a magazine. It, the journalists at McLean's, and when I write for the magazine, I have time to really think about the issue, really research the issue, and really inform the readers in a way that you can't do in a daily newspaper. I think that the thing with student newspapers is you publish once a week and you've got to get so much information out that sometimes you're cutting stories that really should be developed more because you have to get that 300 words in about that event that happened last Monday. If you're able to do that on a blog, you're able to inform the readers better in the newspaper. It increases the quality of the newspaper. If we, okay, so with this new, like, let's say we're taking blogs into account. It's much more personal. It's much less, let's say, I, I tend to, I feel like saying official almost because it's not in print. It's online. You write it quickly usually and as fast as possible to get it out there, like you said. But isn't there also a danger, for example, of, let's say, going too far, writing your personal opinion? Um, I mean, for example, people take issue when you go or you if you write, like you said, when you're blogging, right? It's your personal opinion. But because it's on McLean's as this official feel, doesn't that kind of, like, aren't the lines crossing a little bit between what is a blog? Should it be more official? Should it be more serious? Or should it just stay as, you know, unstructured as possible? Um, I... You know, that's something that's always debated day in and day out, and I always debate when I'm doing a blog post. Um, there have been times where there was something I was going to write on McLean's, but I felt, you know, it doesn't fit into that feel, and I've moved it over to joeycoleman.ca and put it there. Um, so even I struggle with that question all the time. I personally believe very strongly that my readership is well enough informed and smart enough to realize that this is a blog, this is Joey Coleman's opinion. Now, the fact that I work at McLean's does give it more credibility than, say, just random person at WordPress.com. Um, a lot of the time, what you're seeing on the McLean's website is I'm able to research, I'm able to talk to people who wouldn't talk to me before when I was 
just a student journalist or a student blogger. So I'm, I'm able to be more informed about what's happening behind the scenes. Um, so there is a credibility that's there, not just by the McLean's name itself, but by the fact that I'm working with McLean's and I'm able to access government ministers, for example, that a student journalist wouldn't be able to. Um, but you are also correct, there's less uh, officialness with it being in print. Um, I've heard from a source that one senior government politician that I've been uh, asking questions of on a few files basically has taken the opinion within his office that, oh, he's just online, we're not going to worry about it because unless he's in print, it's not a big deal. So you're completely correct, um, and I'm being very honest that I debate these things all the time, and I've never come to a clear-cut answer myself. I'm going to ask you one last question because we're running out of time. Um, with regards to the University of Ottawa elections, and I'm assuming the elections across the country are, are pretty similar. Obviously, there are exceptions. But the University of Ottawa has low turnout. And if you look at, for example, the answers that each candidate gives, maybe not as much in this by-election, but definitely in the, by, in the general elections, most candidates were, you know, pretty much saying the same thing to a different degree. Even on CFS, which is supposed to be a controversial issue, I mean, most candidates agree that there should be a referendum, regardless of their position. Um, I was wondering, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about politics at the student level and the voter turnout, which is so so low in most universities? I think that there's a disconnect between student politicians and students. And it's not going to be fixed. Students look at these um, middle-of-the-road statements that are made of basically, ah, well, you know, I have an opinion, but I'm just going to throw it as a referendum, um, which is completely legitimate, and I understand the urge to do it, but the stakes aren't there. Um, when the stakes are high, the turnout goes up. Uh, one only needs to look at University of Saskatchewan last year, where there was a clear divide between the incumbent candidates and the challengers, and there was also a vote on a U-pass. Voter turnout became 43% from their average mid-teens. So if student politicians want to increase student voter turnout, they need to be stronger on the issues. They need to have reasons for students to come out. More than I'm going to bring us in a better direction, I'm going to bring more events, I'm going to make us more accountable, I'm going to communicate more. There has to be concrete plans. There has to be a concrete reason to go out and vote. And the more that student politicians communicate with students, the better. Your SFUO blog, for example, is amazing. Uh, the readership is across the country. I get people emailing me and going, wow, this is amazing. It's that type of flow of information that's going to interest students more in the elections. I think that the disconnect exists because... Student politicians are in their offices. They have to be in their offices to work. It's just a reality. Um, I wish I was out on campus more often just talking with people, but I've got to, you know, do my research and do my job at a desk as well. So we all do it, and there's a disconnect. And the more that we communicate, the more that we let students talk and have their opinion, the more interested people are. I mean, part of the reason why people read my blog is because there's a sincerity there. I'm not afraid to say what I think, and I'm not afraid to take criticism for what I believe, and to say, this is what I think, this is what you think. And student politicians need to do that if they want to get more interest 
in what they're doing. Interesting. Um, I'm going to ask you one last yes or no question. Do you feel that, uh, what's your opinion on CFS referendums in universities? Are they fair or not, usually? Just a quick question. And then they're not fair. Interesting. They're not fair, and the reason for it is that the appearance of fairness is not there. You cannot have people who have a stake in the outcome of an election running the election. The elections must be run with people who are not concerned with the outcome, but are more concerned with the process and making sure that the process is above reproach. It's The reality is that as long as you have people who have a stake, who are actively campaigning on a side, running the election, it creates that appearance of conflict of interest, and that damages the credibility of the result. Interesting. Very interesting. Thank you very much, Joey Coleman. Um, That was Joey Coleman from mcleans.ca. If you're interested in reading his blog, you can go to mcleans.ca forward dash Joey Coleman, and there will be a link on the SFUO blog, sfuo.blogspot.com to this podcast, so you can listen to it uh, anytime after this show. So after this short break, we will go directly to Renaud-Philippe Garnin, and we will be uh, talking about the SFUO by-election, so stay tuned. <laughs> 